Welcome back to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Liana and I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic, fostering collaboration, driving innovation in the data space. Joining me for the session is Rizlene Amrani, Head of Data Analytics at FedEx, and Niha Agarwala, Regional Data Science and Analytics Manager at Bowringer Ingelheim. Before we get into the discussion, a quick disclaimer that all thoughts and views spoken by any of the speakers or myself are only representative of each individual and not that of their company. So yeah, thanks for being here, Niha and Rizaline, and welcome to the podcast. Would you guys like to introduce yourself? Maybe, um, Niha, you can go first. So I'm a data scientist and analytics manager for Boringer Ingelheim, but I'm a very big enthusiast of space and technology. So I'm a tech person in entrepreneurial skills, and that's what my background is about. Cool. And uh, Rizaline? Uh, hello, everybody, and thank you, Liana, for uh, for having me today. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Rizlan Arani. Uh, I am the head of data analytics in MIA at FedEx. So today I lead uh, four cross-functional agile data teams composed by uh, product owners and team members from data engineering, data management, data science, who are all collaborating together and with the business as well to deliver advanced analytics solutions. So, yeah, today's topics definitely resonates with me. You for that um yeah so i mean let's not wait any further and let's get things started with our first question you know which is i guess the importance of collaboration in data right so um everyone always talks about working within the data team but also working with other teams both can be a challenge right so um what's the importance of just collaboration in the first place um yeah Rizaline, would you like to go first Sure. Um, so in my view, bringing together team members from, from different expertise and background um, generates several good effects. The first one I can think of is um, the innovative mindset, because when they collaborate, they bring uh, their specific skills, but also perspective, experiences, ID, and this help at all the steps of the project, from the comprehension of the initial problem to, to the delivery of the solution. Um, an example that I can think of from my experience with agile data teams, uh, we have a product owner who is going to bring to the table uh, the user priorities. So the rest of the team understand why they are doing that and why it is important to be done in a certain way. And it's important that data engineers, data management, data science team member can identify concretely the possibilities and boundaries in order to manage users' expectation, but also explore brand new solutions based on, on things they have done in the past, right, in their experience. And so this is where each of the competencies bring a piece of the puzzle together. Um, a second aspect that I can think of is um, efficiency, because when you have all the subject matter experts around the tables, um, teams are empowered to make decisions quickly and with more autonomy without having, you know, this, this lengthy back and forth that we have all experienced, especially in big company. And, um, and yeah, and finally, maybe another point is stimulation. Um, yeah, this is something that I have observed from my agile teams. They want to learn from each other. They're encouraged to upskill themselves even beyond their initial scope of work. So yeah, these are definitely for me, the good sides of the cross functionality. All right. Thanks for that, Rizlene. Um, yeah, Niha, do you have anything else to add to that? I think uh, Rizlene has covered the collaborations within the data team. So I, 
efficiency is something that is very important. I also believe that it saves a lot of amount of rework. It has been seen if eight people are working on the same, uh, it's like a cube. So if eight of them are standing in and working on the same cube, but you are seeing only one side of it, you are not seeing the complete uh, picture about it. So it's about visibility even. It gives a complete visibility that helps you to not only innovate, but also optimize the solution. Because currently, innovation is a very buzzword but the major thing that we want to do is optimization of our time like what Rizlian has said in big companies there's a lot of back and forth so it helps to optimize that is within the data space so I as a in general have a lot of experience working with both within the data team and within the uh, the outside stakeholders so it could be any kind of a team like marketing team or sales team or C-suits so the collaboration because uh, if you talk to a marketing team, they are thinking from a different perspective. Their objective, the objective might be same, but the perspective is different. They may not understand what the IT team is saying or vice versa. So I think collaboration is very important, specifically when you are working towards one goal. And it should not be like a half-cooked information because as we say, half-knowledge is very dangerous compared to even a, uh, no knowledge, right? So that's where I think that it should be giving you the complete visibility transparency to work along if you are working in a collaborative environment mm. yeah yeah i agree i think that's a very interesting point you know like recently you mentioned about efficiency and being able to be stimulated but at the end of the day it's also about you know looking being able to see the whole thing like if, in order to innovate you need to make sure that everyone's on the same page right so um getting everybody on the same state on the same page is not always easy there's always going to be a lot of challenges so um yeah what are some possible challenges that both of you have seen or maybe experienced um you know working in this space yeah niha would you like to yes so a very common challenge again i'll be dividing into two sections because what we at least i have seen working within the data team to put them all in same page is a different kind of a challenge and then with the cross-functional team it's a different kind of a challenge within the team everybody is an expert so everybody has something to say so now the problem is active listening are we even listening what other person is trying to say as we all have a 101 solutions that we can work on that's a problem and too many experts come into together that is the biggest challenge Sometimes we also come with a pre-notion. So there is some pre-notions or there is some understanding from our previous background. Hey, this work in that manner. And we all say, oh, we want to learn. But I also believe that there is a concept of unlearning. First unlearn and then learn. It will be much more efficient than just learning new things and being open. We say we are open-minded, but open-mindedness will also be about unlearning. This is the problem when you work within the tech team so because tech teams have experts when you work with cross-functional team the challenges disappear because now the uh, business teams think that we are speaking in another language we are not in the same page at all there are two different categories of the world and they come with a validation of you know this is so tacky i don't understand what you guys are saying they don't want to trust because it's numbers, right? So as a data scientist, whenever I present some numbers, they will also say, oh, so how do you get it? And when you give the answer of how do you get it, it become a techie. So it's a black box for them. 
and that's where the problem comes in when you work with business teams that you need to explain them what's the black boxes otherwise it's very very challenging so that is based on my experience with tech teams and business teams yeah thanks uh rizlin well uh, i was listening to to niha and i'm fully aligned on it because um so something that i also often see when we're working with cross functional team is that uh, sometimes some explanation about a business context or a technical aspect can be very clear for one of the team member while the interpretation can be pretty different by somebody with this, within the same team but with a different background and i think this is what niha was saying by saying sometimes we need to unlearn um technical expertise definitely can also be a challenge and what i see is that it this leads to um lack of explanation sometimes by technical teams on the issues or even lack of interest like you said because it will be too complicated to understand why it's not actually the right approach because when you look at it like even very complex problem can be broken down into a very simplified explanation if you have the right communication patience and and willing to 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 explain um talking about a challenge something that i see sometimes is conflicts can also happen when team members from different backgrounds have a different views on uh, the way to design and build a product but um conflict is not always a negative thing uh, or maybe this is a french part of me speaking but basically having conflict means that um we have reached the right level of trust that allow us to disagree with each other and that there might be several options to consider in order to pick the right one it's just then a matter of reaching the right alignments mm, yeah okay that's a refreshing take on looking at conflicts definitely i don't think everyone is so positive when they um facing something challenging but um yeah i think that's definitely both of what you guys brought up is definitely very relatable to i think some of our listeners right because um you know I think on one hand you can see that if it's a if you're working within the tech team itself I guess you can see it's a bit of an equal thing like you know I'm an expert you're an expert to um how are you going to work this out but when it comes to the non tech how do you make it relatable to them and understandable for them and I think at the end of the day maybe it's like again looking at the bigger picture and um also being able to break it down into simple things that everyone can understand right so um yeah I think with that right like we've always talked about we've been talking about you know being open and sharing and everything so definitely when it comes to collaboration i mean it's in the name itself you you definitely can um work in silos right so um is this being open to collaboration and also being willing to share information you know have is this something that you view as a challenge in your space because sometimes i think um you know working with some teams perhaps there might be certain people or business units that might be like you know maybe I'm not comfortable with sharing this information with you guys um yeah i'm not too sure if that is something you guys have uh, faced before or yeah what are your thoughts on that um maybe i in my experience so i have around 8 years of experience in my experience i have never faced that to be very honest i was very lucky and i have worked with both startups as an entrepreneur and as a in big companies i have never faced that what i believe sometimes people are not ready to share the knowledge it's not because they don't want to it's because that's not their priority so it's all about priority and time commitment right whenever you are sharing something 
do you some people think oh this is a very basic thing to share you might know we have a lot of assumptions and perception going on and oh this might not be so much of priority for that particular person or in that particular manner also sometimes it could be because of the value propositions because we are not very clear on the value propositions that we are bringing into the table with that particular sharing session so i believe it's not on a personal level it is more of a if you understand the priority whether this is a my priority or not a priority and also do you really understand that you know what you are speaking about so the conflict lies in there rather than over the trust issue because i believe that we all reach up to a certain level of trust in most of the organizations Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, when this, ha- I mean, for me, same, it did not happen that many frequently. But I mean, when it happened, it's because people, for example, don't have the time or they prefer to work on uh, the product itself and communicating, taking the time to communicate about the product or explaining to the business the issues they're facing. But, you know, I always tell my team, you can have the best product if you don't know how to communicate about it. You have nothing. So, so yeah, definitely communication is key. Okay, yeah. And when you mentioned right now about priority, and actually both of you mentioned talked about priority, um, how do you prioritize in the first place? Because I'm I think that might be different for different teams, right? Depending on the projects that they have, you know. Um, yeah. So what if the two the the teams that are supposed to collaborate with each other have different priorities? How do you resolve that? Um, no, I, I think for me, the best way to prioritize is really, again, come back to the business problem, understand the purpose of what we are doing and why we are doing this. And, and in this uh, configuration, bringing to business stakeholders into the discussion is, is a very important because um, then they are the ones who give us the priorities and according to that, we can, we can then organize the work. Um, I think I I resonate whatever Rizlane has said. The only way to make sure that both the team have the same priority if they are working towards a common goal and objective, and they do understand what is that objective is all about, or what will we what is in it for me. So all of us doesn't want to work meaningless, right? So we all have a what's in it for me. What am I going to learn? Is the objective aligned with me or not? So the business stakeholder should be in a place where they can have effective communication. I like what Rizlin has said. You can build the best of product, but you cannot really. Yeah, if you cannot communicate it, it's nothing. So that's boiled down to having a common objective and communicating it effectively. All right, cool. Thanks for that. And um, yeah, I mean, let's say you know. Collaboration. I mean, I think almost every single company is all the teams are asked to collaborate with each other. You know, you can't work on a project alone, essentially. But how do you improve it, right? So is it all about, you know, we talked about the priorities, but what about, you know, the timelines? How do you communicate? Like, are there particular communication channels? Because nowadays, you know, every, some people are working remotely, working in a different time zone, country. Um, yeah, what's this like for you? Like, What are your experiences facing this? Um, I, I will say for me, there's no secret. Communication is key. And to enable this communication, team member needs to feel that they are in a safe environment where they can ask questions uh, when they don't understand what is expected from them or even challenge each other if they have better suggestion. 
Um, I, I always tell my team there's no stupid question and you can be sure that if something is not clear to you, uh, it's not clear for somebody else in the room. Uh, also try to avoid the offline discussion. I mean, if something needs to be addressed and it's in everyone's interest, then, then let's discuss it now. Um, you, you raised a very good point, Liana, saying that uh, for right now, I mean, a lot of people are working from home. I think there's also very important to turn on the video when we are having a meeting because a non-verbal communication is also very important into this. I think I echo everything back in what Rizlin has said. <laughs> Just wanted to add a couple of points into it. In uh, there are a lot of tools. So from the effective communication is one thing, but again, when we consider knowledge and tools and platforms, right? Uh, some people, they like one tool, another like another communication tool, another people like another communication tool, and every tool has its own pros and cons. I always say, a tool is as good as, as you use it. So it's like a toolbox, right? If you don't know how to use a hammer, doesn't really matter whether it's a Thor hammer or whether it's a normal hammer, doesn't really matter. You know, you should know how to use it. So during based on our experience during covid uh being a multinational coming from a multinational organization with so many time zones and so many different kind of personalities and everybody was acquainted to it what works best is having a moderator so yes being uh, the video should be open a moderator should be there and something that work uh, for us is silent workshops so generally, I do have a tendency to organize this kind of a silent workshops where there is no right or wrong. There is no stupid questions. There is nothing. And when you are working in a team, uh, specifically these online calls, like uh, Liana, when you started the podcast, you mentioned one thing, right? Yeah, there could be some, uh, sometimes Rizlane is speaking, sometimes I'm speaking and there could be some gaps out there. So what we worked was nobody is speaking anything. Everybody is writing what they are thinking and then you start speaking so that you get some time to think about what you really want to say and the person who are speaking a lot or who are not speaking a lot, they all get an equal opportunity and then you collaborate. So silent workshop sometimes creates more effective communication than noisy ones. And also second, the moderator. Somehow they play a very important part. Your moderator should be a very strong and it plays really, really important. At least that worked for us. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I've never heard of a silent workshop before, but um, interesting concept about, you know, and I think it is, you know, I mean, my mom used to say like, think before you speak, I guess it's one way of um, doing it in the corporate world. Uh, but yeah, I didn't know that would translate into that. But cool to know. And I think, yeah, I think it does give an equal opportunity for everybody to speak. And I think that's the thing about collaboration as well, right? Some people might be intimidated as well to speak up. And, um, you know, if you have an idea or anything, just shoot it through. And I think it all boils down to having that safe space to share. So, um, yeah, I mean, with regards to collaboration as well and working together in a team, um, it's also important to have an aspect of being motivated, right? Like what Rizlin said. So how do you, you know, make ensure that the team is um, motivated to continue to learn and develop, you know, not just from each other, but also like personally, right? So uh, motivation is different for different kind of people. So there are two, there are based on if you uh, generally, if you love your work, you'll be motivated, but you should have a clear goal. I have seen most of the people, if they say that they are 
they are not really willing to work because they don't understand the objective of it so it boils down what is your objective what is your goal and has everybody understood it we are we on the same page or not so that is one part of the motivation the another part is yes uh, we all say that you are upskilling on a personal basis right so i had experienced this in the very start of my career when i just graduated i joined microsoft tcs and it was an awesome experience because what they uh, what was being boiled down whatever i learned today am i ready to share with others or not so it helps uh, it also gives motivation i think rizreen mentioned in one of the just sometimes before it always about learning with each other even but also when you are upskilling it gives something the people the capability oh this might be a good skill set for me maybe i can learn just because you are sharing towards it it also create a safe space it creates trust within the team and also transparency and as a organization i think we can incorporate that in our values even or at least i try to incorporate that in my values if i learn something i do have a tendency to share it with people what i have learned what are my pros what are my cons and something sort of that it motivates other to do something similar or if they think oh this is not cool then they will also not work on to it so it both positive and negative for them but it really works and motivation is a very subjective but i think the best way to motivate is, is to know the objective of your goals Yeah, Brislin, do you have anything to say? No, I mean, I think Neha have said it very well. Uh, if you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, you're already in a very good position to be to be motivated. I uh, will just add on to that, having a culture of feedback, uh, because feedback is is a gift, right? So if uh, somebody um, is doing something good or or is not on the right path, then telling him. what he should do uh is definitely something that can help them improve and and feel recognized in their in their in their job and um and finally yeah, valuing the efforts and recognizing the efforts valuing that um i think this will also bring a good motivation to continue on project all right cool and you know when it comes to we we solved sort of like glossed over this earlier in terms of like you know making sure you you mentioned picking the right moderator i think on the larger scale when you're working on a project right um how do you ensure that you're effectively you know allocating the tasks to the correct people so like the project managers and the thing um and you know just the team leaders in general how do you um within your own teams and your own experiences right how how do you usually pick the best person to lead a project i think that that well based again on my experience because i work with a lot of business team with a tech team sometimes it gets easier because we know we can measure it based on the skill sets and the experts they have but when you're working with business team you don't really know what could be their interest what could be their potential interest so a lot of time the roles are being overlapped it's not a thing it's it's a parallel role that goes into the way to pick it sometimes it's good to pick it the most silent person in the room so it's like when uh, the teachers used to do right when we were in high school the most silent person be the monitor so that at least the person speaks up and sometimes it could be the person who have the leading capability but from business team i think it depends also on the project to project if it is a marketing led project then definitely the people who have a strong marketing skills would be leading the project and if it's a sales led project then it will be sales or if it's a data led project 
I don't think uh, there is one right way to do it. It just depends on the nature and on the skills of the projects even. And also for moderators. So the same thing goes with the moderator. The moderator need not to be the expert, but the moderator need to know the goal of the project. So that when everybody is speaking like out of the context and it's all over the places, they can build down again in the same page. So that's where, that's how at least we I tend to pick up. Yeah, ju just to add on to that, um, I, I think, yeah, there's also the background of the person that we will choose and the interest that this person can express to work on the project, because it's always a good point if this person is already interested by this project. Um, in Agile, we also have a, a, a much more structured process where we break down the product into feature. Each feature gets assigned to a team member, depending on the competency that we have, and each other the time that they think they need to uh, dedicate to these particular features. Yeah, and, and when, you know, these projects are being held, because again, it might be people from different backgrounds working together with each other, right? Um, is it important to have very clear responsibilities and, you know, um, to ensure that everything is like seamless and efficient? Because, you know, we mentioned about how communication has to be important, right? So, yeah. Roles and responsibilities definition is definitely necessary because that's how you know, right? This is the, where my accountability sits in because we all need to, to be accountable for what we are doing, how we are doing and why we are doing it. So it requires to be clear, but in the, we are not living in a very perfect world. So a lot of time, not a lot, at least in my experience, 90% of the time, your roles and re uh, responsibility are a bit blurred. So you can act uh, specifically when you work with data world. So if you ask me being a data scientist, 40% I work as a data scientist, 40% I work as a data analyst, 20% I work as a data engineer. So now when it, it boils down again, uh, your roles and responsibility depends entirely on the project goal. And uh, what's your team member strengths? Because you are forming, uh, it's like a chain right so we are plugging on one to another to make a strong strong pillar or a strong chain so it depends on that what's your strength and this one but most of the time is on my experience responsibilities are a big blur it's good to have it's it's definitely good to have but everyone in the team should be accountable for what they are doing so that there is no later oh i did not do that that was not my role that was not my responsibility everybody is accountable to reach the priority of the project and the goal of the project yeah i think being a team player at the end of the day is really like you know an important thing that everybody should have right so i mean when it comes to working within a team and collaborating you know a lot of times everyone is doing it but you know sometimes maybe businesses might be saying like how do we measure is this a good idea to be collaborating with the other team or should we just work on this alone so um moving forward right is there a way to actually measure the impact of how collaboration is done like um i guess some people some teams have kpis and things like that but I'm um, not sure if this is something you've experienced before or, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, the most visible impact of the cross-functional collaboration is really the, the quality of the output that the team delivered and how it fits with the business needs. And the best way to measure that is with business adoption and get a sense of the scope of users who are using it and at which frequency. 
Um, then as part of the product itself, uh, I think it is crucial to measure the business value that was delivered in terms of revenue generation, cost reduction, service improvements, and so on, to make sure that we put the efforts on the right priority. But I mean, this is applicable actually to any project and not only on the, on the data space. Actually, that's, uh, that's the, uh, that's the common metrics all over the world for any kind of collaboration project that it all depends on that because when everybody is collaborating, you can see the success of the projects and also on the timeline, because if the timelines are met, it means that there was a strong collaborations with a great optimization. There is also one more thing that at least I have learned, uh, in the, the team to measure the impact, it's okay to fail. So we are okay to fail, just fail fast, whatever you are doing, if suppose you are trying to innovate something and you're trying to work out something, if you're in a very creative space, then just fail fast, it's okay. And then go away and your team members should be okay when you are failing first. Because what happened when you fail, you know that this solution is not going to work, you are crossing out something that are not going to work and you have a small list of what going to work. So that is one of the KPI that we tend to measure. How much have you failed in this project? Success is very good. Success, revenue, sales, everything is great. But how much have you failed? What are the things that you have tried? So that when it comes to the next project, we should not do it. So that is again something that we tend to measure and we are also awarded because of it. That, oh, are you failing or not? If you are failing, that's good. You have tried something new. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, we are also talking about innovation here, right? And in order to innovate, I don't think, you know, repeating and doing the same things that we've been doing all the time is going to um, lead to a lot of innovation at the end of the day. So, yeah, looking at failures is definitely one way of putting it. But um, not sure if, you know, that many stakeholders appreciate it um so it's glad that you see it from that point of view but um yeah i mean with regards to that how do you encourage your team you know like sometimes you know of course when you say like feeling is is okay feel fail fast but you know when you're in it and you fail sometimes the feeling can be a totally different experience so um yeah in terms of encouraging the team you know and you know during collaboration itself while you're doing it it might be difficult how as leaders in the space right how do you guys um motivate your team you know pick them up after and and again how, what kind of advice do you usually give when you're facing this kind of challenges yeah really i think one of the most important thing is um never hide the failures be very open it goes also with communication so it is okay to fail we need to talk about it we need to we need to show where we failed but most importantly we need to we need to um, make sure that we have learned something from it because failing without learning anything then it's it's a double failure so yeah i mean in my past experience we have had some cases where where we failed we spent several months working on something that didn't work and then we realized that okay this criteria did not work this we didn't do it the right way we did not allocate the, the correct resource and so on and i think the best the best motivation for the team is to say okay we have done a b c d and we have corrected that and two months later we have now a product that works because of that so it's actually learning them how to grow and and how to make use of this because we are all human and this is what I'm telling them. Nobody will die from it. We're all human at the end of the day. So um, yeah, let's let's make something out of it. 
I think from um, uh, my side, it's the same thing what Rizal has said. That nobody is going to die if you are not going to try. Then you might think, oh, I should have done that. Maybe I can do it. So just don't put the things on maybe. That is one of the motivation. I always say, see, it's nice that you guys have failed it. So it's not failing. It's learning something that is not working. So it's just that something you have learned and it's not working. So it's basically a positive outlook to it. Also, sometimes uh, when we have an attitude of fail first and try to innovate, I tend to have a very calculated risk. So if sometimes we have a daily reverse where I um, have a tendency of like, okay, I can deliver in three months. I tend to give 3.5 months if I had the scope at the early side so that I can take this 15 to 20 days as a buffer for creative failing. And I, most of the time in my project uh, budget allocations or time allocations, I will do that. And I have learned this from some of the top experts. Uh, I was working for Xbox and when working for one of the biggest uh, team member from global, from uh, US, something um, from Xbox team, they taught me that whenever you are doing the buffering, just allocate some time for failing. It's okay. Then you won't have that pressure and you say, oh, we failed, but... We are still on time. So it's a huge motivation for team to go all creative. Second thing is confidence. I always say that suppose you have a deliverable and some strategy doesn't work. It's not working whatsoever it might be. Do you have a confidence that it can work now? If it can, then it's good, right? Because now you've got a confidence that, okay, this strategy is not working, but there is something in place where I can work on to it. Most of the time, these bats work with a lot of things and we have done like i have tried it it works at least for me so first thing is buffering you take some calculated buffer and second thing if something is not working if someone else is the expert in that area bring that in it's all a team building agility so just work on a very agile manner mm. yeah i think um being flexible and you know accounting for failure it's is is a tip from Niha over there and um yeah i think you know that's pretty much it right like um we've covered you know the importance of it how what are some of the challenges how do you improve collaboration and you know what are some ways to um, measure the the success of collaboration as well so um yeah before we end things um do either of you have anything um to add like last last uh, notes <laughs> I think it was great that uh, to talk about collaboration in data space we all talk about data innovations data optimization data uh, science big data and all blah 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 but collaboration is one topic which is underrated and overrated in the same time we all it's one of the values among all the organizations oh let's collaborate but what does that actually mean it's great that they, uh, this kind of podcasts are there to make sure that we all learn from each other. Uh, uh, Rizlin is from supply chain and from tech. I'm from pharma and we are learning from each other. It, it, it gives a very good uh, uh, perspective that how one uh, industry is thinking about the other industry or how it works in different kind of a world and in different space. So it was a great for me. Yeah, and, and I want to say, I mean, the, the topic today is uh, like in the data space, but what we have discussed is way beyond the data space. It's really how the team work together, um, why it is important to, to collaborate and the challenges that we face in the data space. We basically face, the, face them every, everywhere else. 
And uh, for me, it was a very great discovery to learn about uh, some principle that Niha is applying um, on her daily basis. So thank you very much for inviting me uh, to, to this discussion. Yeah, no problem. And, um, you know, thanks to both of you for joining us and um, for sharing all your insights and knowledge on this topic, which is, you know, fostering collaboration, driving innovation in the data space. Um, yeah, and thank you as well to our lovely audience for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again next time when we discuss another hot topic on the exchange by evolution. Bye.